Welcome to another episode of The Free Black Woman. I am Alicia Renice and I am a free black woman. Yay! I hope this video finds you well. I hope you're doing okay during this time of quarantining and just social distancing and just trying to stay healthy. Um, but let's get into today's episode. So we're going to actually talk about what freedom actually means. What does it mean to be free? And do we really know? Do we really know as black women what it means to be free? For so long, and again, I'm speaking from a black woman in America. For so long, I feel like we have been used to living under oppression. We have been used to living under uh, the rulers of this world. We have been used to being oppressed and silenced. Um, navigating the world, thinking about not just ourselves and not having the privilege of just thinking about ourselves, but also about our families and our friends and actually the whole Black race as a whole, right? And I say this because as someone who went to a PWI, which is a predominantly white institution, if you don't know, so you have HBCUs and you have PWIs. I went to a PWI and there there were oftentimes I'd be the only Black person in my class. And so I felt this pressure um, to represent the whole Black race And I know, as we all know, all Black experiences are not the same. They're not created equal. But we can all identify with this idea of being a Black woman, right? And so everything I did was not for me. Like, it wasn't for me. Even going to school wasn't for me. I'm still representing my mother. I'm still representing my grandmother. And for a lot of people who are maybe, like, first generation to get a degree, it's like you have the whole weight of your whole family on your back right? So even aside, and so we're proud of it and we're happy to do it, but it's still this idea that we're not really free. We we don't really have the freedom to mess up and screw up as other people do have that room to do. Because one, it looks bad as a black person. When we see something bad happen on TV, it's like, oh my God, I hope they weren't black. And then if they are, they're like, oh my God, like you just set us back however many time, however much time. Um, it's this pressure that all that a lot of black people, I won't say all, because it's not all black people feel it, but a lot of black people, I know I feel it, um, to represent their people well. When I go to a restaurant and say I get horrible service, they get my food wrong, the waitress or waiter has an, has an attitude with me, they seem like they neglect me, I feel afraid to voice my experiences or my opinions because I'm afraid of being labeled as an angry black woman right? A bitter black woman. Oh, here goes a black woman with another problem. When in reality, I have all the right to be angry, you know, to not, not necessarily be angry, but to voice my concerns. Like, Hey, you didn't, you're not really giving me the care that I want to receive while I'm paying you money to eat. Then this pressure of tipping, this idea has been spread that black people are cheap and they don't tip. And so even if you got horrible service, you still have to tip because you're representing a whole race. You don't want to set your race back. And I've and I've been I've been in that dilemma so many times and I always over tip. I always overdo it. 20% is the minimum for me. Like cuz I y'all not going to believe that black people don't tip cuz that's a lie. A lot of black people tip and a lot of white people don't tip. Trust me, I've had white customers as a server who do not tip or do not tip well. Um so th- just this this narrative that's been told in so many, or different narratives that's been told, we feel like we have to undo them. And it's a burdening thing to feel like you have to represent your whole race. If I wanna eat watermelon, right? Not that I necessarily like watermelon, but if I wanna eat watermelon, I'm, I'm looking around to make sure ain't no white people around because this racist thought that like, oh, all black people like watermelon and fried chicken. And yes, I love fried chicken. You know what I'm saying? But like, what does that have to do with me being black, you know? And again, it's a silly example, but these are just small examples of how 
black people, but especially black women specifically, because I'm speaking as a black woman, have had to navigate the world without that freedom, without that freedom. It's not just, it doesn't just look like slavery. It doesn't just look like, you know, being incarcerated, you know, for my incarcerated folk out there. No, it's, it's the weight and the pressure that comes along with carrying your race. And so the question was presented to me, what is freedom? And do people, black people really know what freedom is? And if we don't know what freedom is, how do we really seek out that freedom? You know, I have notes, so I'm going to glance down every once in a while. Um, Yeah, but do we really know? And can we create our own freedom? And I feel like that's what Black people have done for years, right? We've created our own joys. We've created our own parties. You know, people were too broke to pay the rent. What we do, we throw a rent party. You know what I'm saying? We've always been creative in ways to enjoy oppression. Not enjoy oppression, but enjoy ourselves in oppression. Um, and for a lot of us, a lot of us are, have been oppressed for so long that we don't even recognize the, the, the slavery or the bondage we're in, you know, because we're so used to surviving and creating our own joys, creating our own um, freedoms, you know, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. I think it speaks of the resilience of black people. It speaks of the creativity of black people. Um, but a lot of us are still like living traumatized day to day and it's not our fault, you know? Um, so the question I post to you is like, what do you have control of? What do you have control of? Because the fact of the matter is, and I hate to sound pessimistic, but I don't put my trust in this system to give me freedom. I don't. Because again, that freedom that we can't give our little boys and our little girls, we tell them, don't act like this, don't dress like this, or also think this about you. That's bondage. They can't even be like, even if it's cold outside and you're wearing a hoodie, you're worried about looking like a suspect or suspicious, right? That that's an I that's that's an example of how people are not free. People are not free here. So within the system, which is broken, how can we what do we have control of? Like how can we free ourselves, you know? Sometimes freeing yourself may look like getting mad at the restaurant and being okay with being labeled as an angry black woman. Because at the end of the day, what other people do think about you, even though it might hurt, that doesn't really define who you are. It defines who you are to some people, but to yourself, as long as you have knowledge of self and like this idea of who you are, you are free. If you say you're free, you are free. Even if you're locked up, if you are free, you are free. You know what I mean? Um, and, it's, and it's the freedom that we have to define ourselves, which is why I wanted to create this project because so long we've been labeled from the world and also we've been labeling, labeling our sisters as these same titles because of what the world says is normal and what's not normal. And it's like, that's trash. Like, why would we ever use a system that's been used to oppress us as a means to define who we are and to rate our worthiness? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make any sense. Um, My story of freedom is still being written. I know there are a lot of ways that I'm still in bondage. Um, I have to unlearn a lot of things. A lot of things that I thought were normal, we'll talk about further in in more episodes, but a lot of things that I thought were normal are really just ways of, of, of oppressing myself and remaining in bondage. 
and and when I tried to like buck the system or like to to remove myself from it, that's when I got a lot of feedback. I got a lot of oh, you don't want to do it. You're gonna shake. You're gonna shake shake things up. You're gonna shake things up. And so for so long, black people have been tiptoeing and walking on eggshells to not stir things up. To not you know, I think about my ancestors who lived in the era of Jim Crow, who couldn't stir things up, right? Who just had to like suck salt and take it, right? And um, we've been trained to do the same thing. And us speaking up for ourselves almost becomes offensive to other people, even other black people, right? It's like, you stirring up the pot too much. You're making it bad for me here. You know, like I'm good. No one's bothering me, but you don't even realize that you're sitting under oppression, right? How many people have lived in horrible um, circumstances in their lives and accepted that as the normal? Because they had to survive, they had to get by. And so when someone says, hey, this isn't right, you know, this is this is actually horrible conditions, a person might look at them and be like, you're ungrateful, you're, you're, you're disrespectful, and you're shaking things up, and you, you're entitled. And it's like, no, you deserve good things. <laughs> you deserve good things. And someone jolting you awake to that reality is sometimes painful because you realize, wow, I've been taking crap that I didn't have to take. You know, and again, I understand the privilege that we have now as people in this generation that our ancestors did not have. And I want to use that privilege that I have to hopefully free other people in the same way that I am becoming free, in the same same way that I am unlearning, in the same way that I am unburdening myself and unburdening my friends and hopefully my children in the future and and my grandchildren. I don't want them to come up to realize that bondage is normal. It's not. I want to show them how broken the system is and to give them the tools to free themselves and I'm as I am becoming free. So this is not just, um, this is an experiment. This is me sharing my journey to freedom, but it's also other women sharing their journeys to freedom and really defining what freedom is, you know, and, and what it looks like to be free in a system that oppresses you. You know, that that's, that's the research. That's, that's the work. And um, I'm really excited to share this journey and yeah, I hope this is helpful. I hope this is encouraging and it's getting you to think about in what ways are you not free? In what ways are you burdening yourself? What things feel heavy to you that you don't want a part of your life that you've just accepted as, as normal for everyday life and it doesn't have to be? You have a choice. You have a choice now. For some things you don't and I get it. You know, if some people are ill and they can't just rid themselves of that illness, you know, like it's, they just can't will it away, you know, um, but some things we do have a say in. Some things we do have a say in. Is this what I want to do for me, um, for me and my husband, and for a lot of other people out there, a lot of other Black women who I can't wait to share their stories? Um, I know a woman. Her name is Lisa. Um, I'll share her information. She RVs, and she left a life in in D.C., like the D.C. Black professional lifestyle, um, and gave like everything, like just just became a whole new person and started full-time RVing, you know? And she built her own life for herself. And like, she calls herself untethered, which I love that. Just like untethered, like not, and I'm not referring to um, the movie Us. I'm speaking of like, just not being tethered to things, right? This lifestyle was not serving her. And she woke up to herself, you know, and not, you know, putting other people down, but just saying, hey, this isn't the life I want to live. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I want to get in my RV and drive away. And it actually took her, um, unfortunately, like her father passed and she came to this realization 
You know, I don't want to be in the same place I am today. You know, I want to do something new. I want to try something different. So I can't wait to share her story with you. But there are so many ways that women are charting out their own freedoms, charting out their own definitions of themselves and taking hold of this privilege that we have today. Because while we're not all the way free, no, we're not all the way free. But while we're not all the way free, I know that there's a privilege that I had that my great grandmother did not have, did not have. And I'm trying to use that privilege for good. And if it sets other people free as well, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. So even if I don't set people free here on this platform, I can set, if I have babies, I can set them free, you know, and, and help them to love themselves. Like we're just conditioned from such a young age to hate everything about ourselves, to get everything fixed, to throw things away, to buy more stuff, to be worthy. And it's so twisted. And not to knock my sisters out there with like perms and stuff like that. But when I got a perm when I was younger, it was out of frustration. And I don't think my mother meant anything bad about it, but she just wanted something um, that was easy to do. And so what that taught me about my hair was that my hair is a frustrating thing. It is something that needs to be fixed. It is something that takes too much time. It is something that is a burden. And so if I have baby girls, I want them to know like, it might take me an hour to do your hair, but it's, but you're worthy of that hour. You're worthy of that time. You're worthy of that energy it takes to do that. You know what I'm saying? That's the difference. And it's because we've been conditioned to, be, to believe that we are a burden, that we are a burden. And I'm, I'm learning this in every area of my life. And I'm sorry if I get very passionate. I'm not sorry. I get very passionate. And um, even that, like apologizing for my passion because I don't want to come across as like this, this fiery black woman. Why not? I'm passionate about it. And I'm, pa- I'm super passionate about black women. And um, I'm going to share that passion. And so, like I said, the small example about the hair, you know, and now like even when I'm doing my hair, I have to tell myself, Alicia, Alicia, stop getting frustrated with your hair. It's a beautiful crown that God gave you to take care of. And I can do a bunch of things. I can lock it. I can straighten it. I can, you know what I'm saying? Leave it in a fro. Like it's, it defies gravity. Like it's a beautiful thing. And there are beautiful things about you. Even if your hair isn't natural, you know, there are beautiful things about you that the society tells us to change all the time. And society, which is run by white folk is even telling us what the ideal black woman looks like. And we believe it. We believe if we don't have big booties or, you know, big breasts that we're somehow not fitting the black woman norm. And it wasn't even a norm created by black women. It's marketing and it works and it's sad because it's aided me in hating myself. And that is not freedom. I didn't expect to go here, but I went there. And these are all different things that we're going to talk about that we're going to explain. And I'm not knocking, again, people who have work done, whatever, that's that's your decision. But I know for me, it, if I got work done, it wouldn't be from a place of acceptance of like, oh yeah, I like, you know, I like my body, but I want to add this. It would be from a place of like, I hate my body and I hate this. I hate this because I don't look like that. When I was a baby, like a baby as in like a child, um, quick story, I used to cut up magazines I used to cut up magazines of what I thought ideal features for black women look like. Um, they were have like hazel eyes, they'd be light skinned, they would have straight hair, um, their body would be just like flawless and perfect. And little did I know that that was Photoshop back then, right? Um, as a photographer, now I see, oh, okay, this is, this is actually not real. This is a lie. Um, and, you know, some people have been blessed with bodies like that. Wonderful. Um, but I would 
cut these pictures out. I would put them on a, on a paper and I would pray to God every night to make me look like this when I wake up. Talk about self-hatred. Every night I would pray and cry and I would wake up and look at myself in the mirror and I would see myself and I would cry and I would get so angry. I would get so down about myself like, God, why did you create me like this? I'm so ugly. I'm hideous. I'm hideous. And I feel like I'm about to cry. But like, I believe that. I believe that with everything in me. And I just think about how many other girls did the same thing. You know what I mean? And had work done from a place of self-hatred as a pla- as a, as opposed to a place of like, oh, well, you know, this might be nice, whatever, you know, or a person who might have to get that done to be acceptable in the eyes of the powers that be. And it's heartbreaking. It's gut-wrenching. And I never want my people, my babies, my friends, my family, none of them to ever feel that way, that they are not beautiful. That some, that's the God made a mistake with them. Number one, I was like 11. So like I was a child, but even I didn't grow up into what I thought, you know, I wanted to look like when I was little. And I have trouble now finding myself beautiful. I do. Ask my husband, (laughs) you know, I find flaws in myself all the time and I pick myself apart and I'm just like, where did this come from? Where did this idea that I wasn't enough come from? And a lot of it can come from marketing. It can come from parents. Um, Just a side note, like my mom doesn't like something on her body and I had the same thing. And so hearing her talk down so much about this part on her body that she doesn't like made me in turn think that something was wrong with my part of the body that I have from her that I inherited from her you know so she's telling me oh you're beautiful whatever but I hear her beating herself down and about something that she doesn't like about her body and I had that same thing so you think I'm really listening to her telling me that I'm beautiful no I'm looking at myself as flawed and so because I know how that affected me I know that if I have baby girls I have to talk about talk about myself in a way that's freeing that's that's affirming that's coming from a place of love because it's not do as I say it's it's babies do as they see You know what I mean? And so I want my baby girls to know that they're beautiful, to know that without a shadow of a doubt, you, there's no flaw on you. There is no mistake. There's no mistake. You are knitted together. The Bible says you are knitted together. You know how much care and time it takes to knit somebody, like to knit something. I I crochet, I don't knit, but I know each stitch, there's different kinds of stitches. Each, each stitch matters. If one stitch is off, then the whole thing is off, right? care and effort it took nine months to make you nine months to make you you know some people are born before then and maybe god was like oh i'm done <laughs> you know but no like it, t- it took nine months to make you and to make you so perfectly and heavenly in his eyes like you're you're literally made in the image of god right and we know this on paper but we tear down ourselves all the time and therefore are we not tearing down god and not saying that we should put that pressure on ourselves but what are we saying about our creator that he made a mistake God, you're holy. There's no flaw in you, but you, but you're flawed by how you made me. So therefore, there is flaw in you, and and it clashes. It can't, it can't exist, you know. Um, and if we are to respect other people because they're made in the image of God, are we not saying something about God and them when we clown them or we tell them they're ugly and all this other stuff? Like, anyway, I'm I'm ranting at this point, but I'm on a mission 
I'm on a mission to to spread this fiery passion that I have to other people to hear to have black women heard and respected and honored because they are worthy because you are worthy I don't care what nobody told you you are worthy people have made me feel like garbage people have made me want to kill myself but you are worthy so I get it I get it I get it but you are worthy even when it doesn't feel like it you are worthy and I just kind of want to get this point across like every person I come in contact with I want them to feel like they're worthy I want them to feel like they matter I'm sorry because I know what it feels like to not I know what it feels like to feel like you don't to feel like you're an option to feel like you're a burden like you were born a burden and it's not true it's not true so um as we journey along I'm hoping that uh the, the short the stories that are told the experiences the tips um the passion that is shared lights a fire in you to one love yourself but also to love others i mean hopefully to love the god that made you you know i'm the creator that made all of us in his image um so yes so thanks for this time thanks for listening um thanks for letting me be my fiery passionate self and until next episode i will talk to y'all soon bye